You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio with just a little bit of politics. Listen along as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio, and this is episode 42. I'm your host, Jason Selms, and on today's show, this is another episode of the Everyday Hunter segment we tried a couple of uh, few months ago. Uh, it was a big success. A lot of people emailed me and said how much they enjoyed, you know, hearing from the, you know, quote unquote, just your average you know, hunters, shooters and fishermen here in New South Wales. So I thought... What better way than to get someone on again to come and chat to us about what it's like just to you know get out in the bush, to get out hunting, to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Uh, when I went to the uh, Save Public Land Hunting Rally in Sydney, uh, I met up with a guy called Aussie Freedom Fighter, also known as Mario Vlatko. I call him Muzz, and uh, I was just over Muzz's house a couple, about a week and a half ago, and we were talking about uh, a lot of things in regards to politics and trying to get change here in Australia in regards to firearms ownership. Uh, you can check out uh, Muzz on uh, on YouTube under his YouTube channel, Aussie Freedom Fighter, one word. And uh, he's talking a lot of sense, and that's what me and Mario had a good chat about, and we seem to have a lot of things in common. So when we were at his house, we were chatting about you know, how we can make change here in Australia and what we need to do to keep pushing our politicians to make sure they don't take away our rights and freedoms here in this country. So thanks, Muzz, for coming on the show. Really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, we've got a bit political in this podcast, but I think it's hugely important. In this day and age, if you're a hunter-shooter, even if you're a fisherman, we can't afford to sit on our laurels. We need to keep fighting against these uh, politicians, these MPs, Barry O'Farrell, and all the people that uh, are trying to target and uh, take away our rights here in this country. It's really important. You know, from New South Wales to WA to Queensland to Tasmania to Northern Territory to South Australia. We're under attack from our politicians in regards to our firearms laws, and we need to make sure we're doing all that we can. That makes a huge difference. So thanks, uh, Mario, again, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed having you on. Uh, if you want to uh, email us for any reason, email me at australianhuntingpodcast.gmail.com or uh, go to the website. That's the place to be, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, and click on the contact icon if you want to send us some correspondence. always love hearing from guests. And uh, a lot of people emailing me and always get pretty emotional when I read emails about how these podcasts have made a difference for the hunters, shooters and fishermen here in this country. Uh, if you also you know, want to join our Facebook page, we've just got to have almost 2,500. So jump on the Facebook page, Australian Hunting Podcast. Uh, Twitter, and this one's really important, AH Podcast on Twitter. There's a bunch of us on there now that are you know getting into the politicians, the members of parliament, Katrina Hodgkinson, Barry O'Farrell. Twitter is a really important thing we need to use that are keeping you know, the public aware of what's going on, but also keeping these politicians accountable. You know, in New South Wales, for example, we want state forest hunting back as soon as possible. And don't forget, keep on writing your letters, seeing your local members. As much as you think it doesn't make a difference, it absolutely does. And if you haven't had a response from uh, your members of parliament or your local member, ring them up, ring up their offices, you know, send them another letter to say you haven't heard uh, and, se- and send your original correspondence with the, one, with, with the new correspondence you're sending to say you haven't heard from the government, you haven't heard from your local member, or you haven't heard from your particular minister that you're writing to. Again, they're wasting our time, so let's waste theirs. Uh, also, too, you can jump on iTunes if you want to download the show, rate five stars and also leave a comment. I'd love, I'd appreciate it. So if you're on the computer now, please jump on the 
uh, iTunes page for Australian Hunting Podcast. Rate us five stars and leave a comment. Uh, Stitcher.com, if you're anywhere around in the country anywhere, you're, you're out of the country, let's say you're in Dubai or you know, Canada or America, you're New Zealand and you want to listen to the show and you've got a Wi-Fi connection, jump on Stitcher.com and you can listen to the show on any Wi-Fi connection anywhere in the world. Uh, also share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family. Uh, the last episode with Hunting Goats with uh, David Smith, uh, we got over 4,500 downloads that week for that show. So certainly a fantastic uh, effort from you know, not only myself, but also you listeners that are enjoying what we do, and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Uh, also, too, if you want to, you know, let's say you're a new person, you've stumbled across this podcast, and you want to join a club, you want to get your firearms license, you want to hang out with like-minded people, you want to get into the sport, then join the Australian Hunters International, and you can visit them at australianhuntersinternational.org. .au, one of our sponsors to this show. Uh, a lot of good blokes there in that club and a lot of people will be able to mentor you through the process on how to get your firearms license. So a bunch of great blokes there. Uh, if you jump on the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website, uh, on the right-hand side, you'll see all our links to all our social media, so you can click on those. But uh, the one just below that is donations through PayPal. Uh, there's been some awesome people like Caleb, who I mentioned in the last podcast, who've uh, donated some uh, money to the show, which you know, I always really, really appreciate. It's uh, always good that people have value what we do. And if you value what we do here, and I appreciate all you listeners that have made it you know, to what it is today, then please click on the donations button there on the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website and uh, leave a donation, always appreciated. Uh, that's pretty much about it. Um, it probably in November, I'm going to be maybe a little bit late with the show, probably about uh, you know a week or so late because I'm going to be going down to the Ducks sort of mid-November. Uh, so I'm going to try and get the uh, next podcast out before I go away and I hopefully have some good, awesome YouTube footage and uh, from the trip. And it's uh, going to be pretty exciting. So I can't wait to get down there and have some fun with the shotguns for about two weeks on the rice. Um, going to be absolutely fantastic and I hope you guys are out there all having fun all out in the bush hunting shooting and fishing uh, even whilst the suspension in New South Wales public land hunting is on but if you're from other states around Australia as well hope you guys are having a great time uh, enjoying yourselves hunting whatever species it may be and uh, enjoying this great country we do live in um, so I guess that's probably about it today um, not much else to say, so I guess we should probably get into it. So let's rock this show. Without further ado, let's get into my interview, The Everyday Hunter with Mario Vlatko. G'day everyone, this is Muzz, otherwise known as Aussie Freedom Fighter on YouTube, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a hunter, a fisher, and I love shooting, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Mars, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, man, to be part of the Everyday Hunter uh, series of segments we've got on the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks. Thanks very much uh, for inviting me, Jason. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely, mate. Tell us about yourself, mate, whether you hunt, shoot, or fish, and also how you got into uh, all of the above, or all of the above. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I, I do a lot of hunting, and I love fishing. I love going... Uh, to the range every now and then doing a bit of shooting and uh, I'm pretty much into all of it uh, but uh, recently in the last uh, 10 years of, as I've been building my family up and I've got a couple of kids and all that and it's been a little bit more difficult to get out there and uh, you know have some more time for it so I don't I don't fish as much as I as I used to and I, as I like to uh, just uh, usually when I have time just mainly want to go out and do a bit of hunting. 
Yeah. Uh, how did you get into it? Did, you, did your family hunt? Did you? Was it a, a family member that hunted, or no one hunted in your family? How did you get into it? Oh, it's a, it's a bit of a long story. I don't know if we've got time for it, Jason. I'm happy to tell it to you. <laughs> yeah, tell me. But, but um, tell me. Tell me. Well, it, it, it's kind of runs in my blood, I guess. Uh, my great grandfather was a keen hunter. My granddad was a keen hunter. So was my dad. And uh, I mean, I had a pretty extraordinary, I guess, upbringing as a little kid. Uh, I wasn't born in Australia. I was born in uh, in uh, what was formerly uh, the former Yugoslavia in Europe, which is now Croatia. And uh, I come from a small uh, island on the Adriatic coast between uh, the cities of Split and Dubrovnik, and this island's called Korčula. And on this island, I just had the most extraordinary upbringing as a young kid, and um, I had. Uh, uh, I, I shot uh, guns as early as six years old, and uh, always used to go out with my great granddad, which who, who was uh, who was an uh, absolute uh, inspiration to me, and he taught me a lot of things. Uh, great granddad fought in the Second World War, and he fought the Germans uh, um, and uh, beat them off uh, his island uh, with his battalions. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's a bit of a war hero uh, back on the island, and. Sadly, he's passed away now, but uh, uh, when I was young, he, he used to take me out to the bush and he used to teach me how to make all sorts of things, all sorts of little traps to trap rabbits and little birds and things like that, mainly because back in those days, this is what they had to do to survive. Uh, food was pretty scarce during the war and uh, all, the, all the soldiers and everything used to have to really rely on their survival skills uh, out in the field. And uh, when I was Six years old, uh, he gave me his uh, rusty old uh, air rifle, and <laughs> it's just amazing. You know, he used to give you an air, air rifle to a six-year-old, and he gave me some bullets, and he goes, "There you go, on your on your bike." <laughs> and uh, and then I went. Um, usually, uh, we'd go with some mates who were roughly around about the same age, and we were lucky. We were living in an area where uh, the bush wasn't too far; it was only about a 15-minute walk. And we used to go up there and we used to shoot little sparrows and things like that. And uh, we used to just have an absolute mad time. And uh, it used to take two of us to, to actually uh, cock the gun and open it up, you know, cook the lever down. I had to have my friends help to, to do it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's quite amazing that none of us really, you know, uh, <laughs> ended up shooting each other or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, what, what, our parents always taught us, uh, you know, safety and how to, how to do it properly and so on. And there was a... Just amazing. I mean, uh, we we used to um, uh, go out on our own all day. Like, uh, and the the town that I lived in. I mean, pretty much everyone knew who you were, and you never never really got lost. And there was like there was crime rate was non-existent really, and you just had such such a you know un, unlimited amount of freedom as a child, and and the type of freedom that you would just never experience in the suburbs of Australia. And uh, that was pretty much my my, my upbringing, and uh, we went fishing, and and I, I caught my first fish at the age of five years old uh, off off my um, uh, granddad's boat, and um, which was you know like awesome. And ever since then, I've been hooked on fishing, hunting, and the outdoors, and 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 so on. Yeah, mate. Does anyone you know how does I know, you, I know you're married? How does your how does your immediate family take you know your hunting and shooting activities? Have you got any friends? Uh, that you, you, know, you, know, you already knew that were in hunting and shooting as well. What's the what's the general? Yeah, you know, they're happy with it. They're not not so happy. Or oh yeah, well I mean they're, they're very supportive. I mean my, my wife doesn't want to see me bring home any more animals. But, <laughs> but <laughs> well, the, the, the freezers are full, are they? Or? 
Well, it looked like just that last time I brought home a hundred hundred kilo stag and I laid it out on the table um, in the backyard, <laughs> and she just walked home and she was just go, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I mean, if you can imagine that sort of scene, you know, wife gets back from work and she walks in the backyard and she sees this dead animal <laughs> laid down on the table. She's serving and, the divorce papers after that, is she? Oh <laughs> no, <nah>, but <laughs> she. Like she's very supportive. She loves it when I when I go out and have a great time with my mates and everything. Because I come home and I've got a big smile on my face and I feel really relaxed and that. And uh, and I think that that's what it's all about. So yeah. Yeah, mate. What do you what sort of what do you enjoy hunting? What's your go-to species and what what do you enjoy? Oh, I love hunting everything. I, I, I but um, uh, most recently uh, deer. I love hunting deer. Um, uh, you know, just they're, they're, they're beautiful animals. Um, they're, they're really a challenge to hunt. Um, and and when you when that saying that they usually have you know buck fever you really do feel the buck fever when you see them out in the field and uh, yeah. it's it's an awesome experience and uh, and just just recently um, a friend of mine uh, helped me make some awesome venison and uh, pork sausages which uh, which uh, we um, smoked and mate they were just absolute cracker delicious you know what I mean yeah. and I made something like about fifty kilos worth. And uh, yeah. out of this animal, after I took the choice cuts out of the yeah. animal, I made about 50 kilos worth of pork and venison sausages, and I handed it some mates, handed out to some of my mates at work, and they absolutely loved it. And they were saying, "Oh, come on, Mars, when are you going to bring some more pork sausages, pork and venison <laughs> sausages?" You know. And uh, so yeah, I love it. I, lo- I love game meats. I love the, the hunting, the experience, the whole lot. It's bloody awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're saying, did you participate in any you know, non-hunting-related shooting? So, you know, uh, do, you, do you only go to the range of sighting your rifles? Do you rifle or, or target shoot? Do you shoot clays, pistols? You know, what do you, what do, you do other, than, uh, other than just your hunting? Do you, or do you do anything else or all, all of the above? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I like to go to the range every now and then if I've got a friend that wants to come with me and we just like to hang out and, uh, you know, uh, just talk and, uh, you know, share our experiences and that and do a bit of shooting. I'd love to get into shooting clays. Uh, I don't really have as much time on, you know, on my sleeve as I'd like to. Um, but, yeah, i um, love to really get into shooting clays. Uh, but apart from that, I'm not really into bench rest shooting or anything like that. Uh, but I do respect those disciplines. That, you know, it's, it's very... Um, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, achieve the results those guys get. So, so yeah, uh, all, all the power to them. But I'm not really that much into it. Yeah, mate. Let's talk about, you know, firearms. I know you've done a few, uh, and we obviously met at the uh, no, uh, the no hunting uh, in state forest or suspension of state forest hunting. But um, and we'll talk about that a bit later because we know we've got a bit on that. But what's your, you know, I saw your YouTube videos and you had one of your, your, your I think it was one of your lever action rifles there. Yep. I guess what's your what's your go to calibers, you know, your makes and models, and what what calibers sort of you know work work for you and what do you enjoy shooting? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I've I've got several firearms and uh, and I, I really um, love the thirty thirty. I, I love my Marlin lever action. That's pretty much the first gun I pick up. I don't know why. It's just it's just such an easy gun to handle, and and it just feels so natural. Um, I do have uh, several long-range hunting rifles, and I do have um, uh, some really good pump-action uh, rifles. Uh, my Remington 7615 is a nice rifle, which I really love. Um, and also, I've got some uh, uh, rim rimfire rifles as well, bolt-action. Uh, really, there's not much not much choice really in Australia. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But um, but yeah, I love to say I've got this vast array of firearms, but really, but after you've got about five or six guns, you've pretty much got them all, really. 
Yeah, and um, I, was, I was looking at that one we had, and it was yeah, the, it might have been the Marlon Lever one you put on. Then I thought, geez, he's got Lever fever for sure, you know. Because yeah. I was thinking about getting one myself, and then some people say good things, some people say no, nah, no, nah, you just just get a good, you know, accurate bolt action rifle, which I've sort of already got, you know. But some guys just love their levers, don't they? Yeah, I, I really love it because it's a it, it's a rifle that you that's designed to really get up close close and personal to the animals. Um, and that, that's one thing I love about hunting is I love to get as close as I possibly can. I think, I don't know, maybe there's just a bit more challenge to it, I, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's certainly not a long-range um, uh, long, uh, rifle by, by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but mate, it's got some, you know, really good uh, knockdown power. Uh, I've shot quite a few pigs with it, and like every single pig I've ever shot is just just bang dead before you before it even hits the ground, he's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And it's just got fantastic knockdown power, and it just, I just just love it. And um, but yeah, but pretty much uh, all all my rifles, I take all my rifles every time I go hunting, and uh, the the one that I just picked up pick up for first was always the the Marlin 3030. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Let's talk about you know hunting and what it means. I mean, if you could break it down, say, tell us what does it mean to be a hunter, shooter, and fisherman, you know, in Australia in the 20th century? What does it mean to you personally? Um, it's just, uh, I, th- I think it's just the, the way I express express my freedom. Um, uh, it's it's a cultural thing as well. Um, uh, most importantly, a cultural thing. Uh, I come from a, a long list of uh, hunters in my family, and. Um, and we, we we've always grown up hunting. We, we've grown up learning uh, things about the bush and survival, and um, just how to how to live off the land, basically. Um, uh, which is, I think, a, a great skill, and I think it's a skill that uh, that not many uh, not many people in Australia have, and they should have. Yep. And not only that, it just keeps you in con- keeps you in touch with uh, with your surroundings, uh, the wilderness, learning how to you know get around and. Uh, and just being being confident out in the bush and and yeah I, that that's that's what I, that's what I love about it and uh, that's that's why um that's why I'm keen to go and do it all the time so yeah yeah what a, you know let's say now you said your friends and family don't have an issue you know with your hunting or anything but what about new people that you meet let's say work colleagues that you may not come in contact with very often or people that sort of have known you hunt what's their reaction been to like when they find out you actually go hunting and shooting. Uh, well, you know, they especially people who don't really do it. Um, uh, they're a little bit surprised and they're intrigued and they want to find out more usually. And uh, I let them know how, what, how fantastic it is to get out in the bush and get into the, you know, and to look in, out in the country, this great great country we have, and, and seeing what it's all about, and just yep. uh, you know, getting involved and and, and having having a look around. Uh, uh, you know, what a wonderful country we have, and and, and being in the bush. Uh, it's just awesome, and like I think sometimes when I explain it, uh, I, I become very passionate about it, and and then they they see that passion for my sport and uh, for my recreational activities and so on, and um, and then they really uh, understand it. And actually, a lot of guys I've helped heaps of heaps of people get their firearms license and get into it because of that. So yeah. um, so no, it's good. It's been positive. I had never really had anything uh, negative uh, uh, about it and um, a lot of a lot of guys uh, 
uh, you know, would say, oh, yeah, you know, you've got to get a lot of uh, greenies and tell you, you know, oh, why would you want to do that? And, you know, <laughs> why do you want to kill animals? And, and, and I've never really personally had that. I don't know why, but I've never had it. Yeah, exactly, mate. I guess um, what is it about hunting and shooting and fishing? I guess, you know, or you may let's talk about hunting as well. What comes about, you know, what is it about that keeps you coming back, you know, that time and time again of wanting to sort of get in the bush? What keeps you coming back to hunting? Uh, just, it, it's it's not really about the hunting itself, I'll be honest, and but it is a big part of it. I, I just love being in the great out, in the great outdoors, Jason. I'm sure we, we all do. I, yep. I, I love I love getting out there, especially in our state forests. I mean, our state forests are just, uh, you know, just a, such an excellent resource that that doesn't don't get used often enough. And um, and you know, I've been, I've been several times camping with my friends, and some of the best hunting trips I've ever had. Really, I mean, we haven't even shot anything. You know, we just <laughs> yeah. went out there and just had a great time, and uh, and exactly. we were in our four wheel drives driving around, and you know, just having a, a really good time, and. Uh, Sitting around a campfire and cooking tea and uh, and just talking and you know just relaxing with your friends. There's, there's just nothing else like it, and you just feel uh, at peace with yourself. You know, being out in the bush and in the fresh air and so on. You can just leave the rat race behind for that couple of days and 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 just relax. And that's 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 the greatest thing about it. And if you know what, if you shoot a couple of pigs or a goat or a deer, that's a bonus. You know, it's excellent. It's, it's a great trip. So. So yeah, that that's that's what keeps me coming back all the time, and um, and I'm sure that it, 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 the same thing goes for a lot of other hunters too. Yeah, and no, I agree, man. Some people, I get people that talk to me all the time, whether it be work or this or whatever. They say, oh, you know, why, why would you want to, you know, tell me why? Oh, why do you want to shoot animals? And I said, you know, why? Sometimes it's not even, it's the camaraderie, isn't it? It's not even yeah, about exactly. sometimes the the shooting of the animals. You know what I mean? It's not, that's like a side thing. It's getting out there. Yeah, you know, going away, getting away from the alarm clocks and work and and stresses and life's hassles and all you're hearing is your own mind at the end of the day when you're out in the bush, you know, because it's so quiet and you know. I said that's a that's a that's a secondary or even a third thing for me sometimes about getting out there. It's about the whole experience and and you know, they sort of start to understand, you know, what 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 it sort of means to people instead of people thinking like you got a, a bloodthirsty bloodlust for killing animals and you'll just that's why this whole you know greens thing and, we'll, and we will get onto that a bit later but you yeah. know about that we just want to you know hunt and just oh we're just going to shoot anything if we can't shoot ferals we'll start shooting you know native animals i think mate it's so far from the truth it's not even funny is it yeah well that's right and and you've said the the, the right word there jason it's the camaraderie and uh and that's something that's really there's not enough of in today's society you know you you don't, you don't you don't hang out with your friends uh, as much as uh, you should, and 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 share, you know, um, a really good, meaningful conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, with your friends, a lot like you would uh, around a campfire, and and you learn a lot from each other that way. You know what I mean? And you discuss yeah. all sorts of things, politics, life, and everything in general. And um, you come home from the trip, and you you know you you feel you feel good about it, you feel great about it, and uh, you know, and there's a lot of and we communicate so much these days in sound bites, you know what I mean, via text or, 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 you know, Facebook or so on. There's absolutely no camaraderie in sound bites, you know what I mean? You're only going to get that camaraderie when you go out for a weekend with your mates and then you discuss the big things in life, you know what I mean? And that's the great thing about it. <laughs> no, you're right, 100%. Mate, this is sort of a contentious issue amongst not, uh, you know, not only the general public but also... You know, hunters, shooters, and fishermen here in Australia. But do you do you hunt for meat? Do you hunt because it's you know for culture? Do you hunt for you know feral animal control, or why do you hunt personally? 
Uh, it's mainly a cultural thing, Jason, uh, and uh, it, it, it's the entire experience of the hunt, uh, going out in the bush, like you said before, the camaraderie, um, and, and, and you know, the, testing your skills against nature, you know, against the animals. So, and, and that's that's the main part of it. And if you do get some game meat, fantastic, it's a bonus. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's why I love that's why I love hunting. Um, feral animal control, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it's extremely important. So, so every every chance you get to blast some foxes or rabbits, yeah, go for it. Um, that too. So, you know, it's all of the above, really. But uh, but mainly um, mainly the just just the entire hunting experience, and it's not just about killing, like we said before. Yeah. Do you like bringing the meat home? What does the what does the family think about the meat? Do you yeah, do you like you know anyone in particular? Like your pork better or your deer or what? What are you enjoying? What do you like making at home? Well, my my wife really loves the uh, the goat sausages. Yeah. That, that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, a recent trip to Ningen, um, uh, just earlier this year, with my friends we shot quite a, quite a lot of goats and we brought back oh geez, it would have been a hundred kilos worth of meat. Yeah. And um, yeah, nice. and well, we we I mean we we don't really waste anything. We we harvest as much as we can, um, and uh, you know obviously you've got some some goats, especially um, the billy goats that stink to high heaven. You wouldn't want to you wouldn't <laughs> want to eat anything from them. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, but we harvest as much as we can. I brought back heaps of goat meat. We made sausages, and I gave heaps of sausages to my mates and that. And uh, and they just love them, and we put uh, a bit of um, rosemary and herbs and stuff like oh, that yeah. with them, and they, they taste. What really about the nice. kids? They like them too. They love them. Yeah, yeah. yeah them to the kids and everything. They they absolutely love them. So yeah, and it's not the sort of stuff you would buy at a butcher. See, that's the key. Um, you can't get these things, you know, on demand from a butcher, really. Um, and uh, and and because you've done them, you made them yourself, and you've done it yourself, it makes it all, all that much more special. No, you're right, mate, 100%. You know, you might have come up against someone that, you know, didn't know much about hunting, shooting or fishing or, you know, we'll talk about mainly hunting and, and shooting here, but how, how do you explain to someone that's never hunted before, you know, or maybe had a, a shoot of a firearm, uh, how would you explain it so they could understand why and what it means to you and why you like this lifestyle so much and what, you know, what normally happens when you explain it to them? Um, I, I find that uh, a difficult thing to, to tackle, really, because um, how do you explain the emotions that you feel when you go out there in the bush and, you know, how you feel when you get back? It's, it's really difficult sometimes. And I usually just, just uh, tell people, well, maybe you should go to the shooting range and try it, you know? Um, and I always encourage everyone to give it a go. Uh, and then they'll, then they'll really understand it. And I, I even always try my best to invite new people to come hunting with me. Um, and recently, actually, the trip I was talking about, we went to Ningen. I had two new people come with me, which are uh, friends of a friend, and mate, they had an absolute blast. And this young bloke, he was only 18 years old, and um, and he was hunting under our supervision, and he had the time of his life. He just couldn't stop raving about it, and you know, and 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 seeing that in people, um, it's just a, a real bonus to the whole trip, and. Uh, and yeah, and, and it just remind, rekindles memories of my own childhood when I when I was very young when I when I first go, started going hunting and and it, it's excellent. It's really really great to to, to uh, experience that with someone. So have you converted them to? Are they old enough? And you converted them to getting a license or going hunting? Or well, look, I, I always tell them that look, 
if you if you value this sport, if you value this lifestyle, go get yourself a firearms license and, and start being counted by the government. Because if you don't, um, you know the government will always take any opportunity they can to take your freedoms away from you. And uh, that's certainly been true of the late uh, the last couple of governments. And uh, I guess uh, their track record is not that good in uh, uh, you know defending our freedom. So we've just got to stand up and be counted. Yeah, mate. What positives and benefits? of hunting and shooting do you think have contributed to by either hunting you know feral animals on public land like like even myself and you and other people out there with our licenses or also like me and you on, on private land around australia well yeah it's a, it's a fantastic uh, benefit i mean um just just the amount of feral animals that have been culled in uh, state forests during the time of operation i think it was about 1.2 million feral animals altogether i mean you can't ignore that. That's a fantastic result, and uh, and that's a that's a very little cost to the government as well. And uh, and you know what? What's difficult to measure is the financial benefit that that result produces for the farmers. You know, um, that that would run into the tens of millions of dollars. Um, and and I'll, I'll, not only that, Jason, but uh, you know, we can't ignore the financial benefits that it represents to uh, to rural townships. That's right. Um, yep. Especially, you know, all you all the hunters out there, they know, you know, they go out, go out to the towns and, you know, they stop, they get the fuel, you know, they buy something from the general store, they they get some, you know, some some food supplies and maybe some ammo from a local gun shop. If there is, I always make it a, make a point of stopping at, at at any local gun shop whenever I go to rural towns and and supporting them by buying some ammunition or something. So, so yeah, I mean that, that that's a that's a really uh, good positive. And uh, you know what? Who who else is throwing money into rural towns? There's not many other people or organisations that are throwing money into rural towns except for hunters. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right, mate. Man, we we obviously met, you know, at the at the at the rally to save public land hunting, you know, here in New South Wales when we're in the city, and we sort of, you know, went to the pub and we had a pretty good chat, didn't we, about lot, lots of things in, you know, the political realm, and we've had several conversations on the phone. But let's talk about first off, well, mate, because I know we're get, stuff's probably going to go off the chain now, which is fantastic. But let's talk about what's your what do you think of the government decision and the O'Farrell Liberal government to suspend uh, public land hunting here in New South Wales? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a grubby decision, a really grubby decision. And um, look, uh, whatever internal issues the Game Council may have had, it could have been handled without suspension of the, of, of hunting. And uh, that, that's my belief anyway. And, and the, I, I honestly believe, Jason, that if politicians are willing, they can always do things in a way where they, we can have sensible, sensible legislation without destroying people's freedoms. Yeah. And uh, the politicians these days, they, they, they're just too lazy. They don't want to consider different options. They just want to do it their way. And you know what? Uh, bugger the rest of you. We don't care if you're inconvenienced, if you're suffering or whatever. You know, we're the masters of your, you know, destiny and so on. And that's the sort of the attitude that a lot of politicians have. And I think it's just, it's just terrible. It's disgusting. And, uh, and you know, the only way we can change it, Jason, is for people to rise, you know, to to rise up uh, politically and 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 to take them on. So and, and to call them out every time, you know, every time they um, threaten our freedoms. Every time they, you know, they want to install more, you know, rules and regulation, they do absolutely nothing other than just, you know, for the sake of more rules and regulations. I mean, people need to stand up and, you know, send them a letter or call them on the phone and tell them how you feel. You know, be nice about it, uh, but just be straight as well. Tell them that you're not happy and, you know, that, uh, 
you know, they're, they're going to pay for it at the election, at the electoral roll, you know, so... No, yeah, you're, so you're, you're right, man. You're right. I noticed, yeah, and you, you were talking before about being around, you know, sort of around 1996 when John Howard, you know, uh, changed, or I should say stole, I'll say stole, you know, you could probably say it yeah. too, but stole our firearms, you know, even though they thought we were compensated. A lot of people had to hand in, you know, heirlooms and things they'd have through the family, you know, military, you know, military firearms that people brought home that were, you know, given down to their, their children and parents through children, things that were, you know, were, were quite old and were uh, uh, things they loved within their family and had to give them up during 1996. So, you know, you were around then, you had access to those types of firearms as well that were that were you know, banned in 1996. So what did you think about the move by the uh, Howard government, again, to uh, restrict law-abiding firearms owners from the, the actions of one of one person? Yeah, well, see, I was actually uh, getting my license around about 1996. I went on a hunting trip with some friends, and we were, we had fun shooting SKSs and uh, Riga 1022s and semi-auto shotguns and all that. And I, and uh, that kind of that, that that hunting trip was actually what rekindled my passion in hunting because uh, when I migrated to Australia as a little kid, I was only about eight years old. And I went from a really uh, excellent uh, lifestyle that I had back overseas in Europe to, you know, uh, suburbia in Australia, you know. So um, it was quite a bit of a culture shock. And then all, hunting was pretty much forgotten for me for the next uh, 15 uh, or so years uh, until a friend of mine um, at my work, and this is, I'm just getting off of the topic a little bit. but That's I'm, all right. I'll, I'll get, I'll no, get it's good, it's good. A friend of mine uh, at work, uh, basically this is when I was about 22, 23 years old, uh, said uh, that he's going hunting and I heard the word hunting and all of a sudden this thing clicked in my head I said what you can't hunting and, I, and he goes yeah he goes well, where do we go what, what do you do and uh, and and basically he, he showed me you know where he was going he was going to Condobolin and these are the guns that he had and so on and like all of a sudden my passion in hunting was just just reignited like a flash and um and I said, yeah, let's go, let's go for it. And back then I went to Horsley Park Gun Shop and I hired a thirty thirty. And uh, this is back when you could hire guns, all, all these, um, uh, you know, old guns. <laughs> old you know, you, you, all you did to do was just to, uh, actually, uh, I didn't even hire them. It was a fr- my, my friend hired them on my behalf using his license. And uh, I think I paid him about 50 bucks for the weekend for two rifles, and it was just great. And we went there, and um, my other friends had uh, some more rifles, and we had some, you know, excellent time shooting all the semi-autos and um, pump-action semi-auto shotguns. And uh, it, well, that was my first trip uh, ever in Australia hunting, and it was absolute, you know, uh, amazing time. Really, it was just. Uh, after that trip, when I got back home, I just made a, a concerted effort to get my license, to get all the gear I needed, and that's when Port Arthur happened. And and pretty much at a time, I really wasn't politically involved in anything, and I was fairly young, so a bit wet behind the ears uh, in in terms of realizing what's really going on. But I always remember my friends saying, "Oh, geez, look at this! What how mad is this? The government's going to give me 400 bucks for my..." 22 sterling semi-auto and only paid 200 for it. How mad is this? You know, they were all talking about how great it was for the, the money they're getting, but really what, what they were doing is they were selling their freedom. And um, and the government was, you know, giving them a good price to, to buy their freedom off them. And uh, and they didn't realise it, realize it at the time either, but uh, they do now. 
And I, I think it's a pretty disgusting, uh, disgusting thing that John Howard done. It was probably, well, uh, arguably the big, single biggest attack on our on our liberties in Australia since Federation. And um, and uh, I, just, I just still can't believe to this day a lot of these people think what a great thing John Howard done, and you know how wonderful gun control is in Australia. And and I just don't understand these people. I don't know what these people are made out of. And and, and it just, uh, you know, the, the fact that we've got more uh, gang violence, more, um, you know, drive-by shootings these days, that we've got more uh, semi-automatics in the hands of, uh, you know, criminals these days just absolutely um, does nothing to uh, change the opinions of these people who think John Howard is some sort of, you know, uh, messiah. You know, yeah. and um, and they just can't see it. They can't see what's really happening. So it, it's, it's I'm I'm saddened a bit by that because you know people have uh, fallen, I guess, uh, fallen for the for, for this whole act, uh, and and that's what it is. It's just a um, it's, it's it's a bit of an act by the politicians to you know tell you how what, what a great thing gun control is, while in reality. It's uh, you know it's just going out of control and the police can't control it. The gangs have control of the streets, um, and you know and the law-abiding uh, gun owner is at the mercy of the you know police department. Um, yeah. You know especially if you if you have one bullet loose in your car because you know you you didn't you know happen to pack it properly or whatever it is, and you know if you got one overzealous police officer that's willing to throw the book at you, well then uh, you know you, you get done quite easily. Yeah, what do you think about, you know, about, you know, we'll talk about hunters and shooters, you know, and you said before you can't be a hunter and shooter, you know, in this day and age without being political, but I know there's a lot of people, and you do too, and I've suffered this as well, uh, certain ranges, even shooters, and this, this this comes from, you know, the the young 18-year-old kids, and I had a conversation with one probably about a month ago who had no idea, he, he just got his uh, firearms license, and I guess nor why should he, I guess, but he, these young kids, they, you know, they weren't, or they either were just born, or they were two years old when they turned 18. You know, when you know, Port Arthur happened, so they were two years old, and some of these kids don't even. I asked about Port Arthur, and they had no idea what I was even talking about. Then you got, you know, the older people where, you know, and I've had this happen to me too, where you know you've rocked up with the semi-automatic at say Clay Targets, and yeah. even they look at you funny, and even they've been. Uh, you know, uh, brainwashed by the Howard government, saying, "Oh, yeah, these guns are more dangerous than, than say, a bolt action." You know, what do you think about that? And hunters and shooters, you know, being apathetic in, um, you know, uh, firearms laws here in Australia and the types of firearms. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it goes to the, uh, uh, I guess, the the broader issue of domesticating the population. Um, uh, the, the old adage is like you know a battering hen doesn't really know it's in a cage you know what I mean because it was born in a cage and lived in a cage all its life it doesn't understand anything else you know yep. what I mean so so all the young shooters these days when they go to you know when they go to a gun shop and they see a wall full of bolt action rifles that's pretty much it that's it that's their world you know what I mean yeah and they don't understand um, the broader you know uh, freedoms that we enjoyed prior to '96 you know and um, and yeah, look, uh, uh, I mean, <clears throat> it, it's sad. Uh, it's sad, but uh, look, it, it's up to people like myself and yourself, Jason, to, to let people know what freedom really stands for and what, what it means and, uh, and uh, why um, our country is a, a mere shadow of, of what it used to be. I mean, I'm pretty sure, and, and it's important to teach young people about the Anzacs as well. I mean, the Anzacs that fought 
the Germans and uh, you know World War One and World War Two. I mean, they they thought they were they thought they were fighting for 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 a country that you know that was free. That back then they didn't have any any gun laws. You know, not not many at all. And you know, I don't think they had gun licenses either. And no one was shooting each other. And you know, everyone was. You know, it was just a normal thing to have firearms, and um, and even school kids back in the 50s and 60s, they used to bring their little bolt-action 22 rifles uh, to school, and they put them in the corner. And then, um, uh, why? Because they were taking them to scouts after school. <laughs> Can you imagine kids turning up to, <laughs> to school these days? What with would guns, turn up? <laughs> with guns. I mean, <laughs> you know, you'd have the police play. <laughs> The big police uh, black anti-terrorism van showing up to the school. You know what I, mean? I know, but what what happened? What happened to Australia? What you know? We, we, I mean, we've already seen you know. Right? We've seen New Zealand hasn't had a massacre since you know, or, or or mass shooting since you know ninety six, ninety. I think it's ninety seven. You know, they've still got an, an an array of firearms they can get you know access to AR fifteens, pump semi-auto shotguns. Uh, you know, centerfire semi-automatic uh, rifles. You know, we've seen Canada just get rid of their firearms registry as well. Go back yeah. to New Zealand, they got rid of their registry in the mid-80s. We obviously know America doesn't obviously have a registry. But again, it's about, you know, the culture you know, has, you know, banning these firearms. Because we know we've got almost just as many firearms now in 2013 than we did, you know, in 1996. So there's, you know, changing the category of license of these different categorized firearms. I mean, do you think it's a farce and does it have any direct effect on, you know, not mass shootings not happening here in Australia? Oh, look, it's complete farce. And like, like Robert Borsak um, said it perfectly, that the firearms laws in this country have no place in this country. They have no place in, in, a, in a nation, a free nation like Australia. And what, what's happened to Australia is, Jason, basically, this is just in my opinion, we've been captured by the left. Um, the left are, you know, are running this country, and they have been for the last uh, 20 years. And uh, even though John Howard was, uh, you know, touted as a right-wing um, uh, a kind of conservative prime minister, he's anything but that he's a gun grabber and uh, unfortunately um, that's what we're uh, stuck with and uh, this is something and, and I think I was old enough to remember what it used to be like in the 80s in Australia and I'll tell you right now and for those who, who don't really uh, remember this time we were very close closely headed to an American uh, uh, direction and what I mean by American direction the American style of uh, liberty um, in Australia, because you know we had, uh, you were able to buy guns in Kmart. You were able to buy ammunition in Kmart. Yep. Uh, I remember going with my dad uh, to Kmart in Kasula. It was one of the first ones that opened, and uh, you know we were buying the shotgun and some ammo. And you know, it was quite a normal thing back then. And and you know, we, you know, during Queen's birthday, we'd go and buy fireworks and celebrate Queen's birthday. You know, even right to this day, Americans, you can still buy firearms and ammo in Walmart. And you can still buy, you know, fireworks to celebrate Fourth of July, you know. And we were heading in that direction, and then what? Something happened, and and the left took us over, and uh, and 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 pulled us back, and 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 steered us towards the more British direction. And um, and I don't know if you've been to England uh, or any, you know, or your listeners have been to England, but in the last ten years, I've been there three times. My my wife has family over there, and that place is a complete police state. I mean, uh, everywhere you go, there's CCTV cameras on you and uh, on every street corner, in every building. And um, and it's just really, it's such a dull, boring place to be. 
And uh, London was great for a couple of days, but then after that, there's just nothing to do. And, uh, and uh, you know what, Australia's kind of heading in that direction. And it's sad because, and you know, somehow New Zealand has been, have been spared from that fate. Uh, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how they've <laughs> escaped it, you know, because they're still part of the Commonwealth, but they have escaped it, and good on them for doing it. Maybe it's the, the amount of Maoris over there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but um, unfortunately, mate, we've got, to, we've got to steer this ship around and turn back to freedom. That's what it comes down to. We've got to turn back to freedom. Uh, we've got to get back to personal responsibility and, uh, and liberty. And uh, what we have now is a complete nanny state. Um, you know, we have we have the firearms, um, uh, the the firearms. Uh, oh, jeez, uh, help me here, Jason. What's it called? The firearms registry. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Don't worry. On, on the tip of my on the tip of my tongue, but I just couldn't get it out. We've got the <laughs> firearms registry and New South Wales Police Department telling us which you know which uh, uh, you know add-on for a gun or anything like that that we can have or can't have. Which guns are banned? Which guns are not? You know, what I mean, and they're just—I they, mean, this is just my impression of it. But they just make up the rules as they go, you know. Like just recently, um, for example, uh, one clear example: the Rossi Circuit Judge, which Aye. is a really fine um, revolver rifle, which is quite legal in Queensland, and you know, a whole heap of people have got them. Yep. For some for some reason, the New South Wales Police, you know, uh, don't like this rifle, and you know, they've banned it in New South Wales. And you can't buy it. And I heard, apparently, I heard that reason is is that it can be stolen and then cut down and used as a revolver. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to steal something, why not just steal a revolver in the first place? <laughs> or, or go <laughs> buy one off the street, wouldn't you? Oh, you know, or you know, just get one illegally. I mean, there's more. Uh, there's probably more illegal guns in Australia now than there are legal ones. So uh, you who, know, who, who makes up these things, eh? I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. But you know, well, I, I'm just. <laughs> we've got to. We've got to turn this ship around. The, the tyranny that that exists in our you know bureaucracies is just incredible we're a complete nanny state and it's 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 sad to see especially when you've lived through the 80s and seen well, what a free nation we really had yeah do you, do you believe you know like the actions of one person do you believe we should be very careful about legislating you know policies that affect the masses based on you know the 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 actions of one person oh absolutely i mean uh, Port Arthur, um, when it happened, I mean, John Howard cleverly used the emotions that, that, that were generated by this event to pass, you know, tyrannical legislation. That's what it comes down to. And the people of Australia fell for it. And they were promised all the safety and security. And yeah, fair enough, we haven't had mass shootings. Okay, I accept that, but neither has New Zealand. And, uh, and you know, neither has have a lot of countries that uh, have all these firearms available and um, you know and the fact remains and this show even shows you because I've got a lot of friends that are police officers as well and uh, we, we talk about firearms and semi-autos and all that and they say oh look you can't deny you know when there's less guns less of these things there's less shootings and, uh, and, and, I, and I said to him well okay fair enough so why do we have less shootings now but more guns than before 1996 can you explain that to me and they just lost for words you know I mean even they don't <laughs> Even, even they, they've all obviously been fed the same stuff from their commanders and, and, and so on, but they yeah. don't really know the facts. And the facts are is that our um, uh, homicide rate is going down while our private ownership of guns is going up. So more guns in private hands, equal, uh, in, in, in our law-abiding 
firearm owners' hands equals less homicides. Basically, that's what it means. Yeah, and what about you know? What, I'm sure we we'll had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, I think. But what about um, defence of your own life and family whilst in the home? So home defence. Well, look, this is or this defending is a, your life. Well, this is a really tricky question, and and what what I mean by that is it's very easy for me to answer, right? But it's tricky in the sense of when you look at the broader things in Australia, right? And this is my just my personal opinion. Okay, we we don't have sovereignty as individuals, right? The the Queen is the sovereign because we're part of the Commonwealth, right? Versus in America, in the American Constitution recognises that each man, woman, and child is a sovereign, okay? And they have the right uh, to defend themselves and to defend their property, right? But in Australia, it's different. Um, you don't really have that right, okay? Because the Queen is the sovereign. So, so when we got self-defense laws, if they actually allow you, uh, if they actually allow you to defend yourself and your property with firearms, that's actually giving you sovereignty, right? So you have sovereignty over your home and yourself, right? And that's that's not something that the state is uh, is going to easily give, uh, and that that's. That's what it comes down to. That's that's how I see it. They, they don't they don't want to give you that power, because then once they give you that power, obviously they lose power, and um, that's what it comes down to. And um, once the individual uh, starts to rely less and less on the system, it uh, it means that the system is uh, not as powerful as it was. And in the United States, especially that that's how it is. I mean, you have the right to defend yourself. And to defend your property from, you know, anyone who would, uh, who is an intruder or who wants to, you know, commit violence on you and your family, and uh, you know what, it, it's it sounds like a no-brainer, and it is a no-brainer. I mean, uh, the right to defend yourself is an inalienable right. It's a right that's given to you. I guess not getting religious here. It's a right that's given to you by God. You know, I mean, you've been given the gift of life, and you have the right to defend that. What about when the government's basically telling you, you know, you, you can't basically, you know, you can't defend yourself with a firearm, and you know, we've seen, you know, certain cases even in Sydney here with the, with the can't remember his name actually, but the old fella, you know, the guy got into his house, they, you know, come together in the kitchen, he was a career criminal, he had a taser, and then the old fella sort of stabbed him four or five times, and you know, it's going to take years before. I mean, even now, I think now they've actually dropped the charges, but again, it's gone back to the DPP to see if they're actually going to. Again, try and try and force it, and then try and you know put this guy. I mean, he's already spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, on yeah. trying to defend himself when he's the victim. When he's the victim, I mean, as you I think you said this before, it's reprehensible in this day and age that you know we're dragging this guy, you know, through the through the ringer uh, in defence of a criminal. And then I think the family members said of the actual criminal committing oh, com- the commit- uh, criminal committing the crime. Oh, he was a lovely boy, you know. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 right, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, well, once again, what it comes down to, Jason, is about the state. And I, I suspect that the state will try very hard to try and uh, pin something on this bloke that defended himself, uh, purely because they, they want to destroy the idea that you have the right to defend yourself. That's what it comes down to. Uh, they, they want to create as much disincentive for you to actually defend yourself. So so they will use this case as an example, and they're going to try and throw the book at him, I suspect. Um, uh, purely be, uh, to deter uh, such actions being taken by other people, right? <clears throat> so that, that, that's what I that's what I see uh, with, with this case, 
And this guy, I mean, he's done the right right thing in my mind. You know, he reacted. God comes at you with a taser. I mean, if he actually gets you with this taser and disables you, God knows what he's going to do next. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so how, how do you know what you know what the intentions of this criminal is? You know what I mean? How, how can you gauge that? Especially, you know, when you're in that sort of split-second moment. All you've you got to do is just follow your instincts. And usually a lot of people's instincts, it's the old fight or flight instinct. You know, you're either going to run away or you're going to fight and defend yourself. And uh, and for any you know uh, government to try and do their hardest to prosecute you after you defend yourself, that's a really really low act. Yeah, and we've seen you know a lot of I'm not going to mention you know, specifics here, specific you know people or or clubs or anything like that. But we've seen you know I'm you know, I'm like using a YouTube video as well, and this probably comes to a lot of different magazines in Australia or DVDs or clubs, organisations, whatever it may be, and you know people seem to you know. They're towing the line, the political correctness line, meaning, you know, when they're writing their articles, they're not getting serious. You know, when the O'Farrell government come out, they're not targeting them in their magazines or, you know, why have we, have we become this, you know, apathetic society of, you know, like people that just are accepting these laws, accepting these uh, specific classes of, you know, you can have this type of firearm, but not this one. And, you know, why aren't people saying, well, you know, no, you know, John Howard stole our firearms. Why aren't we getting more in your face to these, uh, you know, the Greens? And we always seem to be want to be chipping away at gun laws. But you know, I made a video on that. I think yep. you've seen it. And yeah, we're not chipping that, yeah. away at anything, you know what I mean? They're chipping away at us. And we're getting, you know, to get the stop the proverbial, but we're getting our asses handed to us at the moment. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean... It all comes down to, um, you know, the individual, uh, Jason, and, and the individual needs to stand up and say, well, listen, no, I'm a free person. I have the right to choose for myself which gun is right or not right for me. And, you know, for, and, you know I reject the fact that the government has the right to tell you what you, you know, which firearm you can have or not. I mean, fair enough, we, we, we need governments, we need some rules and stuff like that. But once, <clears throat> once you've been determined a fit and proper person to hold a firearms license, that, that's basically a sign that the government has put trust in you to be able to have firearms. And, and after that, I mean, what guns you own, you know, shouldn't be an issue. I mean, you, you should be able to own whichever firearms are applicable for, you, for, for your purpose. Um, and, you know, what, uh, and this is a message that, that's not uh, conveyed enough for, uh, you know, organisations like the SSAA. And I've been, you know, I've got a love-hate relationship with the SSAA, you know, that they're, they're <laughs> yeah. not trying... They're not trying to be political, but really, they've got no choice. I mean, you're involved in firearms and, and shooting sports. I mean, they're political by nature, you know. And I, I believe the SSAA should be pushing more heavily towards uh, self-defence. I think self-defence is a much uh, more um, uh, broad, broader issue uh, in the community, especially with city people. And, uh, I mean, just for an example, I mean, I've got a licence you know, to buy a 338 Lapua that can, you know, uh, shoot targets at a thousand meters, uh, and I can hold it in my home with ammo, with everything like that. But you know, but I'm not allowed to buy uh, under the same license. I'm not allowed to buy a can of pe- pepper spray to keep in my house for home defence. You know what I mean? Like we've Amazing. got self-defence laws. We've got self-defence laws in, in the state. You know, what I mean, you're able to defend yourself. Uh, you know, in a reasonable way. Uh, yet, uh, you know, the, one of the most important, you know, tools that you, you can defend yourself with and at the same time not live with the consequences of having, the ki- having you know, to have killed someone, you know what I mean? 
uh, which is like you know pepper spray, which is available off the shelf in the United States and you know every, almost every gun shop. You don't even need a permit for it. You know, I mean, it's such a it's such a non-event in the United States, but here, you know, in Australia, we can't even manage that, and it all comes back uh, to you know um, our, our freedom and you know sovereignty of the individual, and that, that uh, the state does not want to grant the individual sovereignty of their own home and, and their, their own person. Um, and and this is uh, this is one thing that the SSWA should be pushing a lot more because um, uh, it, it is an issue, a uh, contentious issue, especially with um, people in the city. I mean, a lot of, uh, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of people, uh, uh, especially the women, have been, uh, uh, you know, being attacked by sexual predators. Um, yep. You know, and, we saw that in Melbourne, Gilmar. We well, saw in well, Melbourne, Gilmar. You know, I mean, and you know what? In a lot of a lot of people say, look, we don't need to go down that path. But you know what? If my wife, my wife is going out on some uh, business dinner or whatever it might be, I'd feel a lot better if she had a can of pepper spray in her in her handbag. Uh, just in case some person who is, you know, drunk or whatever or started becoming violent with her, whatever it might be, it may actually save her life, you know what I mean? It's non-lethal and it may give her uh, an opportunity to call for help or actually disable that person for long enough to run away. What what chance do they have, eh, when they've got no form of even pepper spray or a taser or... I mean, what chance do you have, Matt? I mean, think, think about this, Jason. I mean, okay, fair enough. Every person has the right to defend themselves within reason. But how does a how does a 65 kilo woman defend herself against a huge bloke that weighs 100 kilos, for example? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? It's it's not not going to happen, and that's why you know, well, like I said to you before, the the fact that you you can't carry anything, especially the things that are non-lethal to defend yourself, it's just unbelievable to me. I just can't believe it. You know and 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 you know, um, uh, Darren Hinch was on the radio um, on 2GB. I was listening to him, and he was saying how disgusting uh, I don't know David Lionhelm is, uh, you know, for suggesting that we should be carrying firearms and all that. You know, he thinks it's just disgusting, and that we should arm our police and trust our police. Well, fair enough. I trust the police too. But you know, but you know, when you're getting attacked in the next, you know. One, you know, next 30 seconds or so when your life could be in danger, how are you going to call the police? Who's going to help you then? You know, police are only going to come and pick up the pieces, basically. Yeah, you're right, mate. And so I just got an email, actually. Uh, we're going to get go into that question now. Hopefully, I've actually just got an email back from uh, David Lionholm from the Liberal Democratic Party. So we, he seems keen to do an interview, so hopefully I can make that happen as well. But speaking of that, the Liberal Democratic Party, we saw you know, David Lionholm get a Senate spot for you know, July, or June, July 2014 when he, when he goes into the Senate. He's been you know, on 2GB. He's been on all the large radio stations talking about you know, obviously a, n- a number of policies from the Liberal Democratic Party. Um, what do you think about him? Obviously, we've heard him talk about concealed carry. We've heard him talking about, you know, firearms and, you know, less government, more libertarian style views, which, you know, I kind of agree with. You know, I'm, 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 I'm all for about, you know, small government and, you know, if people are doing the right things and leaving, you know, leaving everyone well enough alone and aren't committing crimes, why does the government need to get into their business? So what do you think about that? And what do you think about the, some of the policies, especially in regards to firearms? Well, what I like about uh, David, David's approach is that he's not he's not hiding any of his policies. You know, what I mean, he's not trying to hide anything. He just uh, lays it all out there, and and he goes, "That's it. That's how it is. And this is what we stand for." And, and I think that's great. You know, what I mean, whether you like them or not is a different story. The fact that he's not willing to hide from it is is a really good thing. 
And um, and just recently, uh, just uh, on that topic, I, I read uh, on the shooters uh, on the SNF um, uh, website uh, on the recent news uh, article they posted that um, the shooters and fishers and LDP, um, uh, the shooters and fishers approached the LDP to preference each other, and they also were had supposed to have preference deals with uh, One Nation and Qatar. And apparently, Qatar reneged on the preference deal, so did One Nation. And the LDP uh, didn't uh, preference uh, their number one selection in New South Wales, so basically making that preference null and void. So I just think it's just, you know, uh, us poor gun owners here are left holding the bag, really, while these guys are, you know, fighting out their egos and stuff like that, and, and you know, basically not doing the right thing by all gun owners. And I find, uh, and if this is true, regarding Qatar, I mean, I find that just disgusting, really. I mean, I think the SSAA did give a large donation to Qatar's uh, Australia party for the election. And yeah. for Qatar not to preference the shooters and fishers, I think that's disgusting. Um, you know, and that might have cost us a seat, you know, in in, in, in Senate. Yep. So, Mate, yeah. Yeah. But, but David, but David, uh, David is a really uh, good uh, breath of fresh air, I think. And, uh, and he speaks about freedom and uh, responsibility of the individual, low taxes, and uh, more liberty for Australia. And that's all we need, because all we've had uh, for the last 15-odd uh, years is just uh, you know, leftist extremism and tyranny. That's all we've had. And the, you know, the Greens, you know, yeah, in, in with Labor and this left approach of you know, trying to get rid of firearms and just constant, constant attacks from these you know, uh, anti-hunting, anti-shooting, and anti-everything, pretty much. And unless you agree with them, they pretty much, you know, if you agree with them, they're happy with that. If you're not, they want to destroy you. There's no really in-between, is there? Well, that's right, you know. I mean, you've got to be, you, you know, I, I just don't understand where their supporters come from, like, really. Um, how stupid are these people? Um, then they realise that once the freedoms of gun owners are destroyed, then, then basically they're going to go after freedoms of, you know, of, of of their freedoms, basically, you know what I mean, and um, you know people think that you know that we should be living in this world and hold hands and sing Kumbaya, you know, <laughs> around the campfire and all this, everything will be rosy and stuff like that. And, and eat the, world, the world, and... the world doesn't work like that, you know what I mean. And uh, freedom is our most precious commodity. That is the most precious commodity we have. The more freedom we have, the more prosperous we'll be, both culturally and financially. And, uh, and this is just a simple, um, a simple equation that the guys, everything, the, you know, it's, the Greens, uh, whatever the Greens stand for, it's everything against, you know, what we believe. And um, and don't get me wrong, I have posted videos on my YouTube site uh, quite often sometimes when the Greens do come up with a good policy. And that's why I can't work out about the Greens. They quite often come up with a good policy that is a pro-freedom policy. But yet they just don't understand the fundamentals of freedom. So anyway, um, I, I just don't have time for them. And you know, and, you know I know how much uh, you love David Shoebridge, uh, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he's my mate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. uh, mate, look, I, like I said to you before, mate, the day he gets uh, voted out of uh, state parliament, we'll be coming over my place for a barbecue. We'll celebrate. Exactly, mate. We're gear. Obviously, we're going to gear up to try. You know, obviously, we want to get. You know, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I've been hearing a number of things, getting another SFP member up in New South Wales, you know, from two to three. But I've heard things where things might drop down and there's, you know, political people saying, oh, we'll be lucky to hold on to the second seat for the Shooters and Fishers Party. I mean, what can we do to gear up to 2015? What can hunters, shooters and fishermen do to protect their sport here in Australia? 
Well, uh, that's a really good question, and um, and uh, I think what it comes down to is more gra- more grassroots actions. Uh, people like yourself, myself, going out and speaking to shooters uh, and fishers and letting them know how important it is to safeguard our, safeguard our freedoms. It is our most precious uh, commodity, and it was uh, it's something that's been paid for by blood, you know, uh, by by the people who fought for this country. And, and that is the most important thing uh, in my mind that uh, uh, these days, especially when, uh, as you can see, state and federal governments uh, traditionally have done their best to try and take it away from us. And uh, what it means, Jason, is that myself, yourself, have to do everything they can to let other hunters and shooters know how important it is to put SNF um, shooters and fishers, sorry, um, number one, in, on the ballot box, and you know, and that's the way you're going to safeguard uh, safeguard your freedoms. And um, also, too, uh, you know, I don't think it's a it's an impossible task because apparently we've got like 700,000 uh, law-abiding gun owners in Australia, and that that if that translated to votes, I mean, that's a pretty you know a powerful um, uh, you know uh, a pretty powerful group of people. And, and the problem is it doesn't really translate to votes all the time. And um, I, I just find that um, amazing because quite a lot of people, and I'll use this example of a friend I know who's in his 60s. He works with me and um, he loves his firearms, loves hunting and all that and uh, constantly complains about the government regulations. But then when it comes to election time, you know, he either puts number one next to Liberal or Labor. You know, and I said to him, well, why don't you vote for the shooters, mate? Why don't you stand up for your freedom? So, and, you know, and he says, you know, things like, oh, no, no, this politician's good, that politician's good. People just, there's a lot of people out there, Jason, they just don't get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, they just don't understand. And uh, it's it's up to uh, us hunters, you know, us law-abiding firearm owners to, to let them know, to try and make them understand. And... Um, we are quite often our, our own worst, you know, our own worst enemies. And we've got to try and change that, change that around, and uh, and make sure that the, all the all the guys out there that are buying rifles, uh, you know, and that are supporting all the local clubs and all that are actually supporting us the same way in the ballot box. Yeah, exactly, mate. All right, uh, we'll do, do a quick question as well. We know we had the, especially here in New South Wales, we had the ammo bill in 2012. Do you reckon it had any effect on uh, you know drive-by crime, gang crime, bikey crime here in New South Wales since its inception in 2012? Oh yeah, it's had a really good effect actually. I think there's more <laughs> drive-by crime and, uh, and there's actually more there's more uh, there's more shootings now uh, now that the ammo bill's there. I mean, we all feel safer now that the ammo bill's up and going. Um, <laughs> Maybe yeah, we should put that to the you know, federal government. Say, well, it hasn't really worked. But it's actually gotten worse. So perhaps we should get rid of it. But yeah, well, just, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, the police are finding what cars with about three hundred rounds of ammo in the car. You know what I mean? I mean, th- these guys are not short of ammo. That's one thing's for sure. They're making and, their uh, own now. We're seeing them in uh, well, South Australia making. I mean, they've got fitter in turning machines. They've got you know, uh, you know, they're making their own firearms. Well, you know, that, that, that's right. And I'll tell you right now, Jason. I, and I won't name the source, but I've seen a, a photo of an Uzi-style submachine gun that was completely manufactured in Australia, and it looks extremely, extremely good. It looks very professional. And these guys, you know, they're manufacturing their own firearms now, and uh, and they're extremely dangerous. And uh, this is the legacy. This is the legacy of John Howard. Um, He's given us uh, 
the most lucrative illegal gun market, uh, arguably, in the world. I mean, on the streets of Australia, an AR-15 is worth almost 20 grand. Now, just think about that, 20 grand for an AR-15. And you can buy it in the United States for like six, $700. And an AK-47, which uh, I think uh, roughly, <clears throat> last time I've read, there's roughly something like about a billion of them in circulation around the world. And is the most widely is the most circulated uh, small arm in the world, and uh, the AK-47 you can buy it as cheaply as 200 US dollars in some Middle Eastern countries. Mm. And, and you know when you think about it, you can buy it at 200 dollars somewhere else and selling it for up to 20 grand in Australia. I mean, you think that you think there's going to be an illegal gun market or not? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. I, I mean, the, look, look at the, look at the profits there. Uh, I mean. They're not just importing guns for, for, for protection of the you know the illegal crime gangs. They're not just importing guns for that, but they're importing them for profit now. That's the other thing. Yeah. So you and know we're seeing it with drugs. So why wouldn't we see it with firearms? Exactly, and exactly, mate. And uh, you know the, the the drugs are out of control in this country. I mean, uh, obviously our youth has got an insatiable appetite for these for these drugs. And I mean, you know, what person when they were younger? Didn't didn't try some recreational drugs, whether it be marijuana or whatever it might might be. That when you're young, you know, you've got a you know a curiosity and you've got to satisfy that curiosity, and that's what goes with a lot of people. And I mean, there's a lot of them that 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 do you know um, manage to steer clear of all that and all the power to them. But unfortunately, you know, not many do. And and uh, this uh, demand uh, will certainly not go away anytime soon. And as long as the demand there, the crime will still keep going. That's it, mate. You're right. All right, mate. Last question to finish off, mate. Whatever you want to tell me, a, a story. Tell me a story, you know, in a day in the life of Mario, whether it be a hunting story, a you know, personal accomplishment, something funny. Hit me with a story to finish off before we uh, finish the show. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I, at my work, all my mates love uh, love hearing about my hunting stories. They, they, they love yeah. hearing that. Yeah, because they're always... They're always like on the outside. They're fascinated about gun hunting, but can never take that extra step on actually getting their license and and actually doing it. And I've, it's a lot. Of, it's I don't know what it is, but a lot of people feel like they don't really uh, have that right. You know what I mean? It's like uh, um, the the way the you know the political correctness has has uh, molded molded their thoughts, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yep. They 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 certainly don't think it's an appropriate thing to do, and I and I just shake my head at them. I say, "What are you talking about, mate? Going out in the bush and hunting is the most natural thing in the world. I mean, it's something you know that uh, goes back uh, to for, you know to our evolution for the last you know uh, four hundred thousand years or thereabouts. You know what I mean? And um, it's the most natural thing to do, and uh, you know that you know they wouldn't. No one blinks an eye, I mean, when we slaughter thousands of animals in an abattoir and then we cut them up and you put them on your plate. But, oh, you know, you you know, you know, go out there and you shoot an animal yourself, you actually do the hard yards yourself and you actually bring home some, you know, really good game meat. Oh, geez, you know, that, that's, that's a bit too, that's a step too far, you know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> What's one of the stories you've shared with them? Give me, give me an example of one of the stories you've uh, shared with them. Uh, well, uh, I always love uh, talking to them about uh, the the events that happen on a on a hunting trip. Yeah. And uh, things like, for example, um, uh, when I when I went out there uh, one time uh, to Ningen, 
and uh, I had a whole bunch of rabbits uh, in my sights with my 22 Magnum. And all of a sudden, these rabbits just didn't move. They didn't do anything. I don't know what was wrong with them, but <laughs> they just stood there. And I, I handed my uh, gun to my, my friend, uh, Adrian, who was in the car. And uh, and I went out for a walk, and I and I just picked up two of them by the ears live. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I just picked them up. They just stood there. I don't know what drugs these rabbits were on, but they just didn't move. I don't know. They might have just been, uh, you know. You didn't even staying. have to waste the ammo then. I didn't have to waste the ammo, but you know what? You know what I've done, uh, Jason? It was oh. my first opportunity to catch and release in, in hunting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I picked them up and I and I gave them a kiss on the cheek and I said, "Well, it's your lucky day, mate. Off you go." <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff, man. Mars, mate. Thanks for coming on the show, man. This is this has been a good one. We've had a, a long chat. I know we've had um, you know conversations in the past. You know, political. I know, I know you're into that sort of thing as well. And you know, freedom for hunters, shooters, and fishermen here in New South Wales, and not giving up our freedoms and trying to claw back. You know, some of those draconian Howard gun laws. I know. You know, some people think. You know, myself and you know, even probably yourself to a degree. You know, we can be in your face, but I mean, I think that's the only the only way forward. Uh, you know, in the future, there's times to be diplomatic and you know, politically correct, but. You know, there's other times that we're we're losing, you know, our sport, you know, our our our, our hobby, our culture, our whatever you want to call it, whatever you know, whatever it means to the individual, but we're losing it at the rate of knots at the moment. We've seen, you know, the the backflip by our farrel on national parks. We've seen the suspension of public land hunting. We've seen the ammo bill. I mean, it's probably the worst at the moment we've probably seen in quite some time since you know the uh, high caliber pistol bans in '96 and. We need to start getting full on, don't we, and in your face with these people because that's what the Greens do and it seems to be, you know, working. So, mate, appreciate you coming on the show to, uh, you know, expand, you know, give us some of your knowledge, you know, what you what you enjoy, uh, you know, and, and becoming political and start making a difference to firearms laws here in Australia, whether it's New South Wales or WA or South Australia or whatever, wherever you're from, it's important that we start moving forward and start trying to, you know, drive back some of these... Uh, uh, gun laws, that's for sure, mate. So I appreciate your time, and uh, you never know, we might be able to do it again soon, but we'll certainly chat soon. Well, yeah, definitely, Jason, uh, and all, all you guys out there that are listening, you, you definitely uh, haven't seen the last of me, and uh, pretty soon uh, we'll be starting a new grassroots movement, and I want you guys to keep an eye on this uh, space, and uh, and uh, when, when we do get it up and going, uh, myself and Jason will definitely let you know and it's something that we we should have done a long time ago, but uh, it's never too late. We're going to have a great opportunity uh, with this new government, and especially with the Senate, the way it's made up, uh, to 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 go out and be in front of their faces and tell them what we want from this country, and tell them that we want our freedoms back, tell them that we want personal responsibility back, tell them that we want to stop this madness that this nanny state that we currently live in. And uh, and this is what we have to do. We've got to be out there and we've got to let the government know that we're not going to put up with it anymore and that we want our country back. And that's how it is, Jason. Thanks for coming on. Good on you, Jason. All right. God bless you and God bless all listeners. See ya. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.